1: Subscribe to the Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tuesday night cannot be spun as anything less than a stunning defeat for Democrats. Although it looks like Democrat New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy may squeak by and stay in office, Virginia's big red win sends a big message that voters are tired of the Democrat obsession with racial politics. But Democrats are not learning their lesson. Instead, they are doubling down on the obsession with race and racial politics that is costing them elections, and I'm going to break that down. Also, I've got a very problematic interview with former White House press secretary, Newsmax host, and author of the book, Radical Nation, Joe Biden, and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America, Sean Spicer. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. Okay, problematics, Woo, just coming down from, uh, I think I, I slid into this podcast on a bunch of liberal tears, there's been a lot of them just raining down the airwaves at CNN and MSNBC and all over Twitter over the past couple of days, because Tuesday was a very, very good night for Republicans, and for a, a lot of different reasons. First of all, you know, you guys have all heard about the Yunkin victory in Virginia. Um, and I'm going to get into that. But even thinking about what happened in New Jersey, where you have this Democrat governor um, basically just squeaking through to reelection, you know, apparently, um, you know, the, the guy Citarelli, the Republican that was challenging uh, the Democratic governor Murphy, um, is talking about a recount. Like, this is how close things are. It has been called, I guess. But, you know, I, I'm thinking that Citarelli is going to do a recount. But thinking about New Jersey, New Jersey. Of all places, um, being that open and receptive to a, a Republican message, you know, that sends a, a really big message to the Democrats. And I don't think that they're actually receiving this, and I'll get into why a little bit later. But Virginia, Glenn Youngkin won in Virginia. That is a very, very big deal because McAuliffe made what I told you guys uh, in the last episode was probably the mother of all political gaffes when he said that he does not think that parents should have any kind of say in what goes on in the classroom. And parents of all races um, decided that that was just not going to work for him and voted him out. Now, not only did Glenn Youngkin win in Virginia – um, Virginia also elected a black female Republican by the name of Winsome Sears, um, lieutenant governor, and she's becoming quite the superstar. She has um, such a positive and, and such an empowering message um, for all of America. This is somebody that is a Jamaican immigrant. She's is a, a wife and mother, and she was a Marine, and she's just all around. These are the stories, you know, that you like to see. But back to the young can win. You know, it, I think that it cannot be stated enough that the wins in Virginia were a rejection of the woke politics of the left, okay? Um, even looking into the last couple of weeks of, the, of this campaign, when things got really intense, when you look at the juxtaposition, juxtaposition between McAuliffe and Yunkin, what I saw was Yunkin really hammering down on this education issue, really hammering down on a lot of issues that people care about. Um and these messages, I think, aren't specifically Republican. Um, you know, this anti-CRT thing, this is definitely becoming a Republican message. But, you know, getting giving parents a say in their child's education as opposed to what the left wants to do, which is basically um, weaponize the Department of Justice against them and call them domestic terrorists, um, turns out that's a pretty compelling message for parents. And when you look at what McCullough did in the last couple of weeks in the campaign— you know, it was desperate. It was kind of pathetic. Uh, He just ran around saying that CRT doesn't exist. He ran around calling everybody racist. He talked about, he said teachers were too white. You know, he was just talking. It was just every left-leaning and Democrat talking point that you would find, you know, on far left Twitter. This is stuff that was coming out of his mouth. And when you look at these Democrats, you, you really wonder, who is advising them to to speak of these things in this way? Because it's almost like they act as if far left Twitter is just this real thing um, that should really dictate the way that they talk to voters when they're campaigning. And I think that, you know, the election results on Tuesday prove that it is just not a real thing. And, and Democrats really need to focus on meat and potatoes issues because they are losing voters. And... One of the most pathetic things about the McAuliffe campaign is that it went dirty. Now, you know, this is something that got really um, sort of swept under the rug by the mainstream media. And I believe that I spoke a little bit about this on, you know, the earlier podcast this week. Um, But that campaign or a strategist connected to them uh, hired the Lincoln Project. You know, the Lincoln Project is this, you know, this never-Trumper group of grifters who claim to have been Republicans at some point. Um, and apparently, they are there to teach Democrats how to play dirty. And in their minds, playing dirty meant hiring actors to play white supremacists and pose as Glenn Youngkin voters, so that they could remind um, the people that live in Virginia about the awful, awful sort of you know racial unrest um, that happened in Charlottesville that cost a, a young woman her life, and is you know it's just everything that happened there was just a, a stain on American history. And so this is how the left plays dirty. Um, they want to remind people over and over, over again about racism. And, and, you know, thank God um, that it did not work. You know, these hoaxes when they come out and there was another, um, there's another guy that, you know, I think the left planted at a Yunkin rally. He had a Confederate um, patch on his jacket, a big Confederate flag pat- patch on the back of his jacket. And he stood right in, right in the back of the room, right? So that the, the, all of the cameras on the press cameras could get this big Confederate pl- patch on his, um, on his jacket. And he was kind of called out by, by Twitter as, you know, this was a plant, this was a fake. And, and, you know, look, it, it's spread out by these local reporters because it's, they see it as their job to, to sort of play, you know, Democratic strategist, um, posing as a reporter. But the 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 weird thing about all of this stuff, actually the good thing about all of this stuff is that it just did not work. This stuff just was not working on voters. I, I think that they are not as stupid um, you know, as these, you know, Democrat strategists think they are. And they've seen all of this stuff before. And one of the most important things about the left's stunning loss is that They sent out, okay, they even sent out Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Barack Obama to campaign voters rejected every single one of these people. Um, and, And I think that that speaks to the voters realizing that, you know, this is about Virginia, this is about a local election, this is not about Biden or Kamala Harris or Obama. So this is every political superstar on the left that went out and campaigned and they still could not pull this off. And remember, before this election, all of them said that what happens in Virginia will have major implications for 2022 and beyond. You know, this is their way of of trying to scare voters into um, voting for the left. Obviously, this did not work, um, but they are right. Because this will have major implications for 2022 and beyond. Because voters of all colors rejected the woke politics of the left and massively rejected Democrats' plans to basically indoctrinate school-aged children in critical race theory. And by the way, everybody, you know, on MSNBC and on the left, this is critical race theory does not exist. It absolutely does exist. As a matter of fact, it's on the. Um, website of the Virginia Department of Education, which I'm sure Glenn Youngkin will have something to say or do about that. Now, this gets to the point where you ask yourself, or Democrats should ask themselves, do they realize why they lost? Did they have a come to Jesus moment did they realize that maybe all of these dirty tricks that we played, maybe calling every voter um, a racist and a white supremacist and, and saying that concerned parents are, are just a problem you know, for the Department of Justice to fix, um, did they have a come to Jesus moment and, and maybe realize that they went a little bit too far? Maybe they went too far away from the core issues that Apparently at some point in our history used to be a part of the left's platform, but of course not. They just continued to blame every single thing in this stunning loss on racism. Um, Just listen to a bit of the conversation that was going on in uh, some of the mainstream media networks. Glenn Youngkin played the race card for a reason, because he knows it works on Certain white voters. He did stoke white grievance politics to mobilize the Republican base. He's laundered Trump's really sort of
0: disgusting, flagrant out-racism. Yep. He's wrapped it in education. Yeah, education, right. Which is code for white parents don't like the idea of teaching about race that's the
1: fundamental problem for these parents and this anti-crt movement they don't like the way whiteness is being portrayed in these new more inclusive lessons this wasn't about those pocketbook issues this was about how white kids feel talking about what black kids go through
0: the subtext of all this was we can't let these black and brown people run the country glenn youngkin
1: running on critical race theory that he knew hit a chord around race. I think all the CRT stuff is trumped up dog whistling. Some of it was uh, ra- dog whistle racism. The dog whistle messaging that you saw Yunkin engage in during the course of the campaign. Okay, look, I, I can't, I can't listen to this anymore. And and it's really funny. You had, um, God, I guess that was that that uh, that moron over on MSNBC, um, Tiffany Cross. And she said that this was about them not wanting black and brown people to run the state when they elected a black female lieutenant governor, who, by the way, no no coverage of that um, on CNN or on MSNBC. And look, honestly, guys, I'm obviously a Republican. I'm obviously very happy about what happened on Tuesday. And I suspect, um, Problematics, that we're going to be here in another year. And we're all going to be very happy with the results of the midterm elections because these people are going to get their butts handed to them. And the reason why is because they are not learning the lessons. They are just doubling and tripling down on this. And look, I, Problematics, I have this theory. And it's a theory that I, that I you know tell you guys, this theory that I tell some of my friends. I think that there is a real anti-woke movement that is happening right now. And this is not anti-black people or anti-Latino people or even talking about uh, historically the history of this country and and the history of racism and race and all that stuff in this country. This is not anti-that. But the anti-woke movement is, it is a backlash, it is a woke lash um, against the left for making every single thing about race all the time and making all of their losses um, about race. And in You know, look, calling everybody a racist, like, this only works um, for these masochistic, you know, embarrassing, weak white liberals of the left, uh, you know, who just, I guess, sit on MSNBC panels and and sit on, you know, Upper East Side dinners uh, and and just get lectured about how they're racists by, like, black people, by by black liberals that are, like, millionaires. It's actually, it's really crazy. It's bizarre. Um but we are seeing a really big backlash against this like people are just tired of it you know and, and i don't think that this stuff works in a society right now where we've got rampant inflation where we've got the border issue where we've got the debacle in afghanistan by the way there're still americans trapped in afghanistan i know that kind of made its way out of the news cycle but it's still something that's going on and i just do not think that the woke stuff works so like i said my theory is that we are we are entering into a post woke era, um, and I think that this is an era that's going to last. You know, I think honestly, for me, I think it's going to be about a decade from twenty twenty two. I think it's going to start with Republicans taking back the House, and then depending on what happens nationally, Republicans taking back the White House and the Senate um, for for eight years straight. This is what I truly believe. This is what I see because when you step out of these liberal bubbles. And you step out of these enclaves, and you're not in New York or D.C. or L.A. or anything like that, and you really just speak to what real people um, are thinking and feeling. Real people of all colors are much more concerned with meat and potatoes issues that have nothing to do with race. I am just not convinced that the issues facing black Americans and white Americans are fundamentally really all that different at this point. Everybody wants to to live well. Everybody wants to have a career. Everybody wants to have the American dream, which I believe in 2021 and beyond is, is really is truly open to everybody. But the thing about the left is that they, they've sort of painted themselves into this corner. They gain power. By making black people and Latinos and LGBT people and women and you know whatever other affinity group Muslims you know whatever other victim group they want, they gain power by making these people feel disempowered, and I just do not see that working anymore, so while i I hope that the part of me that just longs for not crazy liberals to actually have a real conversation with like the part of me that really longs for the left to just get over the race stuff and not be insane hopes that they really do take these lessons and they take them they take them to heart and we can start having some real conversations about policies and about people's lives but you know it, look in 72 hours after that election these people are not learning the lessons. They are doubling down. Everything and everybody is going to be racist or white supremacist or any of that stuff. And I do believe, honestly, that it will keep going um, for the next couple of years. And look, these people are not learning the lessons. They are so far down into the rabbit hole that they can't even see the light above. And I actually feel. Sorry for them. I feel bad for people who see the world and see their entire existence through purely through the lens of race. It is such a limiting way to see the world. It is such a limiting way um, to have a worldview. And in Tuesday's elections, voters rejected that worldview of the left. And I predict that they will continue to reject that worldview in 2022 and beyond. Up next, I've got a problematic interview with Sean Spicer, former White House Press Secretary, Newsmax host, and author of the new book, Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America, right on the other side of this page. Okay, Problematic. I am doing what I like to call the problematic interview. Today, I have Sean Spicer. He is the former White House press secretary. He is the host of Spicer and company on Newsmax. And he's the author of a new book that we are going to get into called Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America. Thanks so much for joining, Sean. Always a pleasure to be with you, Rob. Thanks. It's it's kind of uh, I love having you on my show, so I feel like the tables are turned now. Yes, yes, the tables are turned. It's definitely I I love to be able to to you know be the guest and also have guests that are very interesting. So the the first question that I want to ask you is: so this is about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's dangerous plan for America. What is the plan, and how do we see it playing out in our day to day lives as we're ten months into this? awful administration? It's a fantastic question, uh, because there's a few parts to this. I mean, it,
0: it's, it's playing out in front of our faces. I think the plan is ultimate political power, and I can explain that in a minute. But basically, everything that they're doing, all of their policies actually tie together in the sense that they they seek to achieve ultimate political power, because if you have ultimate political power, then you can continue to pass Any policy that you want to do? Um, The reason and let me I'm going to get into that in a second, but I want to I think the second part of your question is how is it playing out in our everyday lives is probably the first part I want to touch on, because it is playing out in our lives. But there's two chapters in the book where I explain how the media omits so much of what's happening In front of our eyes the real motives and that's the problem is that there are so many people if they're not listening to your podcast or watching me on newsmax that they're not seeing things the new york times the today show abc Mm -hmm. the washington post just don't cover right so that's part of the problem is that when you say how's it playing out i describe it in radical nation but a lot of people will read the book and say i didn't even realize that was happening because one there are so many people in this administration that even me, somebody who lives and breathes this stuff, didn't realize some of the backgrounds of the folks. I, I really think the confirmation pro- process uh, let some let us down big time. There are people that are unqualified that should not be serving right now that are. So, so who but, is one? Who is one? So so think about Dennis McDonough, for example. I talk about him in the book. He's the secretary of veterans affairs. He's only the second person to ever lead the VA that's never served in the military. The first one was Dr. David Shulkin, who had served in the Obama administration, and President Trump carried him over because as a medical doctor that worked in the VA, he understood how to put reforms in place in Healthcare, which is the single greatest service the VA provides. McDonough has no history with the military, none with veterans, and no healthcare background. And so I why- had no idea of that. I had no clue. Okay. So there no you go. Clue. Here's, here's another one. Pete Buttigieg, boy wonder who's running the Department of Transportation. When he when he was when he was mayor of South Bend, Indiana, it's a city of a hundred thousand, they had a grand total of sixty-six buses. This is the guy that's now in charge of our airways, railways, highways, right? And and we wonder why we have supply chain issues and a thousand ships off the port of LA and Long Beach. It's because you have a guy who might be smart. He might be a nice person. I don't know, but he's not the right person for that job. And you wonder why you're doing this. But, but here's the thing, Rob, when Biden, when he was confirmed, Biden said, I'm pleased to have the first... Uh, LGBTQ person leader department now he said department because Rick Cornell had been in the cabinet of course Trump, so but it wasn't I'm I'm lucky to have the most qualified guy to lead the department who happens to be or whatever it was that's what you're leading with not qualification box checking and
1: that's what's going on in this administration. But and I remember, and you brought up Rick, and it's very interesting <clears throat> when Buttigieg was confirmed and all that stuff. The left tried to run with the lie um, that he was the first, you know, gay cabinet. That and that is not true. Obviously, it was Rick Rennell. And so then they sort of retcon that a little bit. But the point that you make is so correct that we weren't hearing a lot about. Um, Judge's background in transportation and supply chain because he has zero. Right. His only qualification was basically being a gay man that had risen to a certain point And they wanted to, you know, put him in the administration <laughs> like that. And now we're seeing all of these issues that are going on and the media is giving them a, a complete pass. Right. And
0: juxtapose that to the discussion about Rick Grinnell when he was up for ambassador to Germany or acting DNI, right? It was about his qualifications. Yes. That's, we're talking eight years at the UN. He had been ambassador of Germany at that point. The point is, we were all arguing about how qualified Rick was from the right and the left was trying to say he didn't have the qualifications because that's what they do. But at the end of the day, no one brought up his sexuality. With respect to Buttigieg, it was the opposite. It was, let's talk about what his sexuality is versus whether he's qualified. And it's Hmm. amazing the juxtaposition of how that goes. So we've got a chapter in there about people that are in the White House, a chapter about what I call Biden Inc., all of the family members. But I
1: go yeah. back to, go, go ahead. Oh, I, I did want to ask you about Biden Inc. because that's very that's very interesting. <clears throat> and you definitely brought up you know you know Buttigieg, judge you know being unqualified and being there because of whatever. I um, and also the uh, the VA um, you know secretary right now, which is actually crazy to me that that person has never served. But I wanted to ask you about Biden Inc because I think that you know the listeners of this podcast who call them the problematics, they're sort of they're they're in the loop on a lot of this stuff. But I wanted to ask you about Biden Inc and I wanted to ask you just directly, Do you believe that Joe Biden is in some way, shape, or form compromised by China? So here's the answer. I don't
0: know. And and the reason I say that is because you can scratch the surface a little, right? And you say, okay, this doesn't make sense, right? So why did they take this trip? How did the brother Jim or Frank or Hunter get this? and I'm not qualified is, is the answer is to, to give you. And I say that because I'm not a detective. I'm I'm not a forensic person. But what I will say and through the book is that there's a lot of dots that go like this mm-hmm. and I go, okay, well somebody, somebody in the media should be curious enough to say, cause they did it with Trump. They were like, well, Trump visited, you know, uh, uh, you know, this hotel and therefore he must believe the following. I think that, what I look at is to say, why is no one curious that these dots are this close and that dot connects is right there to that dot? Because his brother Jim took out a bunch of loans when he was chair of the of the finance committee, and then when he sat on the banking committee, and there's all of these things where you're going, wait a second, how is no one making a big deal out of this stuff? I found it for goodness sake, um, and and so I, it was just there's so many revelations that um, that. I couldn't believe that that um, that haven't been covered or exposed. And that's what I thought was so fascinating about the book is that there were things that I thought, OK, it's Biden. It's Biden, Inc. We're going to know all this stuff. Right. And yet start going down a rabbit hole and be like, I'd never heard this story before. I never knew that his brother Jim had this failed building and this is how it connected. And this is what the result was. But it's been going on for 50 years. It's not a new phenomenon. And then. Right. The other thing in the book is I go look at the policies and this is the point. This is the the big takeaway. When I said at the beginning that it's all about power, people have to understand that Democrats put pretty bumper bumper stickers on a lot of their legislation and policies. And they say, this is for build back better. This is for voting rights. Mm-hmm. And and it, they sound really good, and I think, frankly, a lot of people from both parties would buy into it and say, okay, I support that because that sounds good and whatever. But it's until you scratch beneath the surface, Rob, and I'll give you another one that, that this is my, my – the one that I really love in the book because same idea is that it makes sense on its face. Is that The Democrats keep talking about giving the, the residents of the District of Columbia voting rights. And I think to most Americans, you think, okay, that makes sense. These people are Americans. They live right here in the nation's capital. But you go back, right, and you say in 1790, the framers wanted to create a federal district 10 by 10 so that it was not in any state. They didn't want to have the the influence of a state be in the federal government. So they created, took a part of Virginia, a part of Maryland, and created DC. Now in 1835, they gave back the part to Virginia. That's where I actually live right now. And if you have flown into Reagan National Airport, despite yeah. what the attendant tells you, you're not flying into DC, you are now flying into Virginia. But that was what they had taken for Virginia and now have given back. Well, it would make sense to me that if you really wanted voting rights, you carve out from the White House to the Capitol, call that where the National Mall is, your federal district. No one lives there, so no big deal. And then you give back to Maryland. What was Maryland's? And problem solved. Now they get to vote. They're part of a state. Uh, that's where they're from. It was taken from Maryland. Give it back. There's a precedent for doing it. Totally logical, right? But then you start to say, wait a second. If you think about it, the District of Columbia is currently drawn votes 95 to 5 Democratic. For- Therefore, if we make it a state, Democrats get to United States senators in perpetuity. So don't get fooled
1: by the bumper sticker. Understand, yeah. it's not what they really say it's about. It's about power. And what you and and honestly, this happens over and over again. And you know, when you go through the process of of writing a book, and and I'm work. I you know, I had a book out a couple of years ago. And I'm working on another another book right now. But even when you're just write, writing op eds, I'll give you an example. Um, there was some of these the far left congressmen. I think it was like Jamal Bowman and Corey Bush. Um, they were trying to make an amendment to this voting rights legislation or whatever that they they were trying to put out there that basically would make it legal um, for currently incarcerated prisoners to vote. And that did not get any attention at all. And obviously the amendment didn't make it, but they did an interview and they said, well, you know, we got more votes this time and we'll have more votes next time and more votes next time. So what they're doing is they're starting the conversation about this stuff and nobody knows it, in 20 years from now, you will be racist if you do not believe that currently incarcerated prisoners should be able to vote, which is the plan. Oh, but think about this.
0: The, the example that I gave you about the House of Representatives voting to make DC a state has already happened. This isn't hypothetical. This isn't pie in the sky. They did it. If the Senate could pass it, Biden said he'd sign it, it's a done deal. That's what we have to understand is that this stuff isn't Sean Spicer being theoretical. They've already said it. Biden on the record the other day said that he wants to transform the nation. He wants to be the most progressive president ever. These aren't my words or Rob's words. These are his words. And we see this plan. You asked initially, like, how's it playing out in front of our face? They literally told us what they're going to do. And, and too many people don't take it seriously, and, the, and frankly, then the other half is the media not wanting you to see it because they don't want you to – what you just described about prisoners voting, they don't want that to come up because what they want is that – you're absolutely right they want the iteration and build up then when it passes suddenly they're going to call it some great breakthrough and no one's going to have seen the train coming
1: exactly and i'm going to stop you right there because i want to get into um the media's role in all of this stuff and then i want to ask you a little bit about uh, kamala harris after the break All right, Problematics, we are back with Sean Spicer um, talking his new book, Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America, available, of course, wherever books are sold. So we were talking a little bit about the mainstream media's role and sort of covering up the, the real agenda of the left. And, and I want to get more into that um, with you. So we talked a little bit about Biden Inc. earlier, specifically, you know, some of the, the, the things that are going on with Hunter and business interests and whatever. Why do you think the mainstream media is so thoroughly uninterested in any of this stuff uh, when it comes to Biden Inc.? Well, I, I mean, I think the, the
0: largest reason is because they're on his team. They agree with him. Um, and so therefore, it's hard to be critical. I mean, that, but they are, they're, they're
1: 100% on the team. Yeah. And, and, and so as somebody, and this is, you know, I don't talk a, a lot about this, but I, I call myself a recovering journalist, right? Um, I, there, I do perform acts of journalism sometimes, but I'm very open about, you know, my conservative bias. You know, I came out as conservative Republican, all that stuff. Um, I went to grad school at the um, Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. Mm-hmm. And what, the, way, the reason I bring that up is that I would think that most people would be shocked at how liberal and even far left just the students are in these um, journalism schools all across the country. So these people really do believe it is their job not to seek the truth, not to seek facts, um, not to you know report on what those in power do not want reported on, whether they're Democrat or Republican, but basically to carry water Um, For the Democrat Party, we see this right now. You know, Joe Biden just fell asleep at the Boring Climate Summit, and you see NBC News embarrassingly um, running cover for him. That's that's the point,
0: though, is that when these guys make mistakes, they don't hold them accountable at all, not – the, to your point, they literally cover for them. They make excuses. They don't show us it. If you if you watch these programs on any given night, that's what I was getting at a moment ago. It's like literally living in an alternative universe where nothing bad ever happens in
1: Biden world. It really is. And the 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 thing that has struck me the most as, and I tell my problematics, you know, I watch CNN and MSNBC so they don't have to. And I sometimes. I'm genuinely interested. I, I will flip over and I'll say, okay, the, what are these lunatics talking about? Uh, and, and Sean, they are still talking about January 6th. They are still doing this. It is November. And they are still pounding that out literally because they cannot speak to anything that has been accomplished during the Biden administration because there has been nothing accomplished. And, and so it's kind of like they're spinning their wheels. And I wonder if, anybody is buy Sean, do you think that people are buying this stuff? Or do you think that that the vast majority of people, and like I said, you know, my problematics, you know, lean conservative, but I got some liberals in there. I've got some independent minded people in there that just want the truth. Do you think um that we're getting to a point where people are starting to wake up to this stuff? So it's a great question. I, I get
0: to asked a lot, a similar version of that a lot. And it's fascinating because if you think about it, The left controls big tech, Hollywood, corporate America, academia, government, the media, all of these institutions, and I can go on and on. And yet Biden's approval rating, according to Rasmussen, is in the 30s, right, which suggests to me not only that, but I believe, you know, if you look at a lot of these races that have been happening since then, people aren't buying it, right? And so the point is, is that the American people are walking into a store and seeing a shelf that's either empty or what is left on the shelf costs them a heck of a lot more. And they're saying, "Okay, this is not, this doesn't make sense." And and it's funny, Rob, because whether it's your podcast or my show on Newsmax, people are flocking because they they feel like they're being lied to in the mainstream media, and therefore they're searching out alternative places that will cover issues that they're not seeing. So, right. I so I so the answer is. I think that the media doesn't give the main the American people the credit that they deserve in the sense that they're very intuitive and say, this guy is what has changed. This is why there are 100 ships off the port of LA and Long Beach. This is why things are costing more. This is why Afghanistan was a debacle, et cetera.
1: Okay. And, you know, just to kind of, oh, actually, no, because I wanted to get into, I wanted to talk about Kamala Harris. Um, there is a chapter about Kamala Harris. Obviously, she's in the title, and, and and I think for me, the thing that interests me the most about Kamala Harris is that she is just such a fundamentally bad politician. Just in all of the basics, she's bad. You know, she's she's got that cackle. Um, she's somebody that it, it, it just always rings false. Now, you reference in the book a um a track poll that basically proved, and this was a nonpartisan uh, a nonpartisan tracking. Um, that said, that she was literally the most far-left senator, and I'm always shocked at how someone who is just a bad politician has failed upwards. Can you explain um any of oh. Kamala Harris's success? Yeah,
0: so that to me is easy, um, because you're right. She's she polls bad. Mm-hmm. She was rejected by her own party. I mean, think about this. She ran for president. And she was one of the first ones out after getting scant support, right? So her own party rejected her. But Joe Biden, in in an effort to fulfill this mantle of the most progressive president ever, right, he has said, I'm going to – I mean we talked about Pete Buttigieg and, and yes. also – he wants to check boxes. And so we thought, OK, I'm going to appoint the first female uh, person of color as VP. And so it wasn't about – qualifications or political support it literally was he can now for the rest of history which think about it no matter what happens his his box checking is something that will go down in history like he yeah, so and and to him that's the, the amazing thing if you think about the contrast donald trump said i'm going to make america great right and th- that was about right what joe biden wanted is his own legacy that was it it's about him being able to say i was more left than fdr
1: Interesting. Um, you know, it's uh, that's definitely one way to put it. And I, you know, I just watch her and I just watch her be bad. And I'm just actually shocked at how bad she really is. Okay. So um, you say in the book, uh, the the book kind of wraps up about a conservative action agenda. This is basically saying that all of these awful things are happening and we know that they're happening and we see them happening. Um, So I want to hear your take. Um, and not to, you know, spoil the book, but I want to hear just a couple of things that you think that we as conservatives or or problematics or independent thinkers or whatever, just anybody that is not a far-left lunatic, what actions can we take to kind of subvert um this lunacy that's going on right now?
0: So so the last chapter in Radical Nation is chapter twenty, and it literally talks to what you're getting at. It's this conservative agenda plan and it depends on like who you are. So if you're a parent, um it talks about things that you can be doing or organizations that will support your supply information. If you're a young kid, I mean, when I was growing up and in college there, we didn't even have a young Republicans chapter on, on college campuses. Now there's t- turning point USA, there's campus right. Reform, there's young America's foundation. And these places give a home to people who in a lot of cases thought I'm by myself. I don't show anyone. And so um, we highlight organizations. We, um, Talk about. I mean, I even list some books and say, hey, if you want to understand some of these economic theories, here's some good primers on them. The point that I'm trying to make are here are organizations that will help you. Here are groups that you can belong to. Here's activities that you can engage in. I'm so proud of the parents that are out there now attending school board hearings um, who are running for school board, who are engaged in the process, um, who are paying more attention to their kids' um, education because they saw it when the kid brought home a Zoom call um, so, um, you know, I, I think, um, to me, um, that, that was, it, it, there's so many things that can, that you can do and get involved. And I wanted to leave people in the book with a checklist of things that they can do for themselves, their friends,
1: their kids. All right. Fantastic. Sean Spicer, the book is called Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America Problematics. Check this out right now. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, thanks, Rob. I really appreciate it. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And to hear more of my episodes and get my weekly newsletter, go to Gingrich360.com Rob. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at RobSmithOnline. Special thanks to our producer Robert Borowski, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Part of the Gingrich 360 Network.